MC Podcast. sermon prep by 90%, being in your study one hour. Now, notice I didn't say cut your time with God. That's not what I'm saying. Maybe if you cut your time being a motivational speaker and allocate that time being a motivational disciple maker. And I know that's drastic, but maybe it's, we spend, maybe we cut it by 10%. And then we say, you know what? I'm going to take that, uh, I'm going to take that 10% that I would be spending in my study and I'm going to, I'm going to kind of get in the, get with the program of, uh, as we go, Jesus said, as, as you go, that participle that my brother shared with me in Matthew 28. Um, I'm going to actually start spending, spending it with people, being saturated, as my sister said, in other people's contexts. What would that do? And um, as I shared that in, that in that session, it was eye-opening for a lot of people, and I think it liberated a lot of people. And sometimes we need permission to be liberated from the practices of our traditions or the practices of the expectations that people place on us as leaders. I think we need that. And so in this session, I've, I'm discovering that there are what I call domains of disciple making. We're building a house right now for the day. The foundation is I need a definition. I need a I need, I need essentials and, and, and pillars and a process whereby I can, we can arrive together on the process of disciple-making. For us, a disciple is a hope dealer. And that hope dealer is one who's missional, biblical, spiritual, practical, and pastoral. That took less than 10 seconds. It's not memorable. It's not portable. And the three domains of disciple-making is kind of that next tier. You can go to that next slide that I want to talk about. Um, yeah. So every single one of us has spheres of influence. When we look at the New Testament, don't we see, like, household salvations, right? And we see Paul being on his first, second, and third missionary journey, um, which, let me talk about that for a minute. When we talk about church planting um, in, in the exponential world, church planting to, okay, real quick, stand up if you are not a pastor or any type of ministry leader. You just, okay, okay. Man, I'm about to do a dance up in this joint. Look around, pastors. 
There are more of them than there are of you. Look at that picture. You look around, look around. Take it in. Take it in. What if we liberate laity by not setting an expectation that everybody has to be a pastor? What if we stop giving plans to, what's your name? What if, what, if, what if I stop telling Cherish, hey, maybe God's called you to be a church planter? Because you know what Cherish maybe hears is you want me to be like you? You want me to get up here and preach? I don't even like people. And I'm not against church planting. I'm a church planter myself. But I said all that to say, you can sit down. Um, now, pastor, stand up. So I, I said all that to say this. I said all that to say this. Like when you tell somebody maybe God has called you to be a pastor or a church planter, for them, that's like you asking them to go to the NBA and they ain't even played in Little League. It's a small percentage of them. And I'm not saying that there aren't kind of apostolic people that are called a pioneer plant. That, that's, that, that, that You feel me? That is what it is. That's true. But what if we reimagined making disciples by mobilizing ordinary missionaries in their context? That is the only way that we get to 25,000 disciples. I can tell you this right now. Check this out. Have a seat real quick, pastors. So check this out. If I, uh, um, Michigan, come here real quick, Michigan. Hey, in the hood, right, in the hood where I'm from, everybody got a nickname. So his nickname, Michigan. So, so, so say Michigan. Michigan. Also known as Alfred. So say, say Michigan, Michigan is in my church, in our in church that I lead in. And I'm like, wow, like Michigan, like I, God got a, like, I feel like God has something powerful in you. And, and then we, we build out, like say in my church, we've built out this church planting residency, right? But the way I designed the church planting residency is say like, say it's, say it's a year to 18 months, right? It's a long process. So, and here are the, the milestones in the church planting residency that I'd like him to undergo. All the while, there are 99 other people in the seats not getting training because I'm focusing on sending him to the, N, to the NBA, church planting NBA. You see what happens? Everybody, the church gets neglected, and then we say, thanks, Michigan. And then we say in the church, when, when we say, when, like, when, when we ask pastors, are they making disciples? And they're like, yeah, we're making disciples. We, every, every day we get up and we, every Sunday we get up and we preach the word, we're making disciples by preaching the word. Problem is, when they leave your church, they forget about what you said because their favorite Netflix And Netflix is discipling your church, not you. I mean, heck, Netflix is discipling me. 
unfortunately. What? <laughs> Unashamed too. Anyway, why, why did I take time to say that? That there is gold in your church. There, man, there is gold in your church. That, that, that little old sweet lady who likes to knit in your church. Y'all laughing, but I had a lady like that in our church. She was knit. She used to knit. She was a knitter. Oh, wow. Stand up. You know you have a leader. You know you have a leader. You know you, you know you, you some of y'all like, how, how do I know um, who the leaders are? The leaders are the people who tell you no. So we had a knitter in our church. I'm so serious. Her name was Nancy the Knitter. Is your name Nancy? Okay, cool. And, uh, and, but Nancy used knitting to minister to inner city pregnant girls. And she, she just like, in church, I used to get offended when, she was, when I was preaching. Y'all know how we do when young people on, our, on their phones while we're preaching, we get offended by it. You can't make this stuff up, man. You cannot make this stuff. Can you can't make it up, can you? That is crazy. It's amazing. It's a great it's a great illustration that um, we need to use resources and tools that are available in culture to disciple the nations. And that's what Nancy did, man. Nancy she took these young girls and she got together with them. Uh, each of them had their own little whatever you call those things. You know, like bought them diapers and threw them baby showers that I didn't attend. And, <laughs> and many of those girls today are in college serving Jesus, man. And what I learned about Nancy is what the first domain of disciple making really highlights it's the idea of relationship intentional relationship building the problem is in our culture christian culture uh we want to create disciple making programs like and, and the problem with that is that at some point the program is over that's why sometimes, you know, like nonprofits oftentimes in my community aren't as effective as they could be because once an individual goes through their program, they graduate, and then after they graduate, there's no more support. And so when we think about this domain of uh, disciple-making, my question to you uh, and for me is, Let's, let's do another uh, exercise. I like exercise. Uh, get your phones out. You're on them anyway. I, I know you're on Facebook. Get your, you don't do Facebook? We're going to set her up a Facebook account right after, right after today. She's like, no, I am not. Get on your phone. Open up your contacts. 
Who's in there that doesn't know Jesus? Who's in there that does not know Jesus? Who's in, in your phone that is on some kind of spiritual journey? All right, now go to your, uh, go to your calendar. Go to your calendar. Is the person that doesn't know Jesus, did they make your calendar this week? Or maybe the person does know Jesus and they're just a churchgoer and like they're, they, 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 they haven't, they've been converted, but they haven't been discipled. Is that kind of person in your, in your phone? I had a lady ask me at the discipleship.org forum, I was talking about our strategy for um, every inner city. And she's like one of them ladies who, you know how you speak it and you're trying to make a point and she's right in there and the person in the back, like raising their hand, they're distracting you and you're trying to make the point. And it's like, do you have any speaker etiquette? Like, come on lady, I'm trying to make a point. But she, she was adamant about it. And finally, I just forgot what I was talking about and said, Hey, what do you, you want to say? And she says, well, like, what if you, like, what if, where do you get these people? And I was talking about making disciples. <laughs> it's like, where do you get these people? Sorry if I spit on you. Has a preacher ever spit on you before? Um, and I said, well, I, 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 I get them from prison. Like, <laughs> I get them from, like, I, there's a corner store in my hood where I grew up at, and I pull up in my Audi, you know what I mean, Q7, you know, 2015, beating, beating some Toby. Anybody who know who Toby is? You better look up Toby on Spotify. He's discipling the culture. And I get out, and I hang out a little bit. And so the recipe, when we talk about how, well, well, if these are the three domains of disciple making, and if I don't know anybody or if I'm, if I'm airdropped in, a, in an area where I don't have any relationships, well, how do I get it going? Like, if, if, can I be honest with us this morning? Um, uh, most pastors haven't even been discipled. They've been theologically trained to do church. And maybe that 5% is because we as pastors haven't even been disciples. So how can we disciple somebody we ain't even been discipled? And so when we talk about intentional relationships, I have to first frequent a place where I am saturated in it. And I'm the minority in that place. Like my sister said. And then I have to frequent it enough where, how can I explain it? Conversations of faith begin happening. So I frequent it and I'm faithful in it, right? It's like I'm going, like, um, there's a corner store in my neighborhood. Spend more time there than I do to my pastor study. Sometimes I don't even want to buy nothing. I just go in there and walk around and look like I'm stealing something. I ain't stealing nothing. I'm just there. I, I, was, uh, I was at a, uh, when, we, when we planted our church, um, I would freak. I didn't have an office, so I would go, like, to a Panera, right, Panera Bread. And I would go in there, like, I would just, let me see what time it is. 
You ain't going to walk away from me saying that, brother, on CPT time. Um, and I would just go there. And then um, my place now that I'm going to is Scooter's, Scooter's Coffee. I don't know if you have a Scooter's Coffee out here. And anyway, as I, as I start frequenting, I'm like, I'm going every day. And I missed it. I, I missed it. And I, I'll be the first to say I missed it. I was going every day planning to launch a church when I should have been going every day to find the person of peace. See the difference? And so once God had to knock me upside my head, I'm talking about intentional relationships. If I don't have them, how do I build them? I have to frequent a place. And as I frequent a place, God will open up doors for conversation around faith. This happened to me with a dude named Jeff, who's the manager of Panera. I was there one day, and I heard the whisper. I heard a whisper from God. And the whisper was, hey, go over there to Walgreens and get Jeff a gift card, a Visa gift card. I said, oh, yeah, I do $10. That's cool. Give a $10 gift card. <laughs> gesture. It'd be a kind gesture. And I, I heard, man, like, I, I, I heard the spirit, man. I got a red flag when I said that. I felt like the Lord was like, no, nah, do 100. I'm like, I'm a broke church planter. <laughs> do 100, Myron. I'm like, all right, I'll do it when I get paid. Like, no, I'll do it right now. Like, all right, guys, so I leave Panera, keep myself there, and I go over to Walgreens across the street, and I'm shaking and trembling, and I buy, get the Visa gift card, and, and then I'm being sinful because I'm like, man, I could use this myself, you know? And, and then I'm like, I got to get this thing out of my hand because I ain't going to do it, if, you know? And I say, hey, Jeff, hey, man, can I talk to you real quick? And he's like, yeah, man. He said, he sits down. And I said, man, I feel like God wants me to get this to you. He started crying, weeping, making me uncomfortable. And he's like, man, you don't understand. I'm a single dad. And he's like, I don't have any money this week. And that opened up a door, man, where it wasn't I was trying to, like, get him to cross some line of faith. We actually became friends. And so I stayed committed to that friendship of disciple-making with, with Jeff. And, and now even though he's still a single dad, he's uh, the most successful uh, manager in his region um, at Panera, and that's his church. That's his church. And so I wonder what relationships are we missing out on because we're not frequenting places or groups that need our attention. And as we decide, like, Intention, intentionally, and here's the thing. I know what you're saying. My friend Grant said it the other day. 
Well, you're asking me to add something else to my plate. Did anybody think that? Oh, all y'all want to be saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost, huh? I, I, listen, we the kids got my listen. My kids got football um, Tuesday, Thursday. My middle kid tripping, so I'm about to put him in boxing to get some discipline in that brother life. My little daughter is ballet. My wife is in school for nursing. I'm coaching on Thursday morning planters from around the country. I'm in Nashville this week. I'm in this and this. And like, and you, you, can, you can say the same thing, right? And you're like, I just don't. And, and we feel guilty, don't we, when we're like, man, I just don't have the, I just don't have the time. And the paradigm shift, if this domain is going to be true of us, is the lie that we don't have time when everyone has the same 24 hours. So it's not that we don't have the time. We're looking at this domain wrong. Hey, Amor. Hey, I'm about to go... Uh, I'm about to go, you know, drop my kids off at, at uh, football. Um, how about I come by and swoop you up real quick, we take them, and then we meet? You see what I'm doing? I'm intentionally deciding that every single week, because my wife told me this. She said, you make time for what's important. So my question is, whatever you and I are making time for, that's what we're qualifying as what is important. And if intentionally building relationship with people are not, is not important, then it's time for me to repent. It's time for me to, to be honest with God myself. That God, I've been making time for YouTube, I've been making time for everything else but for what counts. And I want to return to that ancient practice of building relationships. Getting around a table, invitational experiences where fried chicken is at the center of it all. Amen. Chicken at the center of it all. You know what I mean? If intentional relationship is about taking quality time to invest in someone where I'm sitting down with someone and I'm getting, they're getting in my life and I'm getting in their life, then invitational experiences deal with my time when it, when it, when it comes to looking at my calendar, seeing how I can invite people into experiences with me. Uh, like, like, come on, Myron, give me an example. Grocery shopping. Or, hey, Charles, man, I got to go down to, uh, I have to go down to this little city, uh, Oka, Oka, not Okinawa, um, someplace in Iowa. It's like there are more towns in Iowa than any other city, um, even though they're sometime population too. Um, Charles, ride with me down here. I have to have this speaking engagement. Come hang out with me. And it's so cool because as we're riding down to this speaking engagement, he just start unloading about his life. 
hey, man, come over and kick it with me tonight. Um, my wife having girls night. And then he come up in my, in my house and he, see that, and he sees that it's not clean. What lesson did I teach him? There you go. Right? So when we talk about intentional, intentional relationships, it's simply this. I'm making room for who is important. So if you looked in your contacts and there's somebody in your contacts who either doesn't know Christ, is converted, but have never been discipled, what if you get on a call and, 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 and you say, hey, man, you know, I've been thinking about something. I feel like the Lord just wants us to start spending time together. Would you commit to spending every Saturday with me at 7 a.m. in the morning? You commit to that? Yeah, I commit to that. All right, cool. Let's commit to that every Saturday. And then guess what, man? Um, this is cool. I'm about to tell you this. This is cool right here. So y'all remember the pandemic? I mean, that's not cool, but y'all remember the pandemic? Some of y'all like, we still in it? <laughs> So in the pandemic, crisis happened, but also opportunity, right? And um, I had an opportunity to, to take up golfing, a brother golfing, right? Because, um, like, we don't golf in the hood. Like, golf, what? Better pick up some pig skin, right? And so got to get them knees, that back straight. I'm still working on it, right? I'm on golfers, right? And I started, I started calling my guys, and I'm like, hey, you want to golf? And they laugh at me. Like, man, you tripping. And they come out and golf. And all of a sudden, we're having fun, man. If disciple-making ain't fun, you're doing it wrong. Right? So what do you do for fun that you're doing alone? Or what do you do for fun that you're excluding others from because it's just about you and your family? No, I'm not talking about potluck at church. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about anything that you do in the building. I'm not talking, get that out of your head. I'm talking about your own personal time. You like to smoke cigars? I don't. I have a friend. I'm like, why do you do that? Like, he's like, well, it's about the. I'm like, no, dude, don't try to spiritualize this. <laughs> he does, it's not a cigar. It's like a pipe. You know the pipe, the, the pipe thing. I'm like, why do you do that? I'm not saying you do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, you know what he does? He goes to his. He <laughs> he he's in his backyard. He got like a pipe party, you know. I have a friend um, named Colin Labrasi. Look him up on Instagram or um, TikTok. Dude is, uh, he's has like 500,000 followers on TikTok right now. He's, a, he's, a influ he's an influencer. And I met him back in March and um, at, a, at a little retreat deal. It's 20, 22, 23, Gen Z. And uh, we hit it off, man. And, and uh, uh, he lives in Nashville. And although my calendar required me 
to be at a conference, I made time to be with Colin. You know, we did, you know, you know, what we did. We went to see um, the Eternals. Super dope. But as we're going, as the previews are up, he's catching up. He's catching me up on, on his relationship. What happened with it? He's catching me up on how God is healing him and how he's growing in his faith, right? And then the next day, I'm like, man, I know I have to be, I know I have to be at this conference, man, but I'm about to like split for, for a little bit so I can go be with Colin. Took me to Smoothie King. Y'all heard of Smoothie King? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and why, why am I bringing that up? Because... Like, when he dropped me back off at the conference, dude is just like, like, man, you, you have no idea, man. Like, I needed this. How many people that you know in, that, 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 that right now, they may not tell you, but they, they, after spending, inviting them into experiences with you, that, that the end of those experiences could be, man, I needed this. There are so many people right now who are dying for connection and family. Because after all, disciple making is more about family and not an organizational chart. And I I spent some time with some leaders and I said, hey, I said, hey, I think we got this thing backwards. I think we uh, we uh, in the church, we've adopted the organizational chart, which is a very it's actually a new phenomenon. The organizational chart, it was like. I think it was created like early 1900s. We're using a new template and we're trying to fit it into the New Testament. I don't think it's an organizational chart that's helpful. I think it's a family tree that's essential. And when I start seeing Colin as my brother, and as I start seeing Charles as my son in a faith, I'll start to invite them to more opportunities and experiences with me. That third domain I call influential opportunities. And it's simply this. The more we intentionally meet with people, the more experiences they have with us, because experiences shape us and bind us together. And as we are shaped and, 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 and bound together in relationship, I start to see you for who you are and not for what you've done. Then we can start having, as Dave Ferguson would say, permission-giving conversations where I start to say, I see in you this. This is good, and I have three minutes left. Context informs calling. What do I mean by that? If people come to our buildings, we often see in them what we want to see because of the context they're in. Oh, you're supposed to be a pastor. No, you're saying that because I'm in your little box. 
But if the context for disciple making is life on life, then I can't help but to see what you laugh about, what you cry about, what you hurt over, what excites you. And as I see that and you see me, then opportunities like the New Testament emerges when the apostles see a man by the name of Joseph, who they then nicknamed, which is biblical nicknaming folk, Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. And we all know because the apostles leveraged an opportunity to say, this is what I see in you. And Barnabas himself became an apostolic leader. And he's one of the first people who vouched for Paul. I wonder how many Barnabases are in our churches and in our lives, but we don't see them because we're not intentionally meeting with them perhaps not inviting them into experiences where we can share common bond. And therefore, we're not seeing who they really are as God sees them. These are three domains that I think are pivotal to 25,000 people being disciple makers in this region. Father, I pray today that in this session, um, we're moved to consider Uh, how we are stewarding these domains in our lives and how you might invite us into um, being the men and women that you want us to be so that we can see this type of disciple-making movement happen in our region. Amen. Podcast.